Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 267. You can be that person that Eric's talking about that somebody looks up to and says, wow, I want to be – this person's an amazing person. And so you don't have to wait until the day that your name is the one in front of the logo on the brand. On your shift today, tonight, you can be the person that you wish you had as a manager. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you short on time when it comes to training your restaurant staff? Well, if you are, don't worry. I'm sure you're not alone. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can find that light by visiting Tipsy for a whole library of video courses delivered by World Barista Champions, leading sommeliers, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Learn more by clicking the Tipsy banner in the show notes. If you choose to subscribe today, you'll get a special 50% discount because your Restaurant Unstoppable listeners get on it. Like always, with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest back on the show, Mike Ganino. Mike, you know a question I'm about to ask you, right? I'm ready. I'm ready. Ask me. Are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm feeling extra unstoppable. I wake up every day and I feel unstoppable, but today I'm with the king of unstoppable, so I'm a... on hyperdrive. Uh, every once in a while, I get somebody on the show who I know has great energy, who I know is just going to like pick it up a notch. You're <laughs> one of those people. I can't wait to dive into today's topic. But before we do that, just let me give the uh, listeners an idea of who we're talking to. So as a restaurant consultant and trainer, Mike Ganino helps restaurants create better team cultures and teaches managers how to be more effective leaders. He is a regular keynote speaker and inspires hospitality leaders around the world to engage their staff and create stronger brands. Uh, so Mike, uh, I, I can't wait to you know dive into today's topic, which is going to be around people operations, the things we can do to just get the most out of our people. But before we dive into that topic, we got to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling. I know you're going to have a good one for us. So what's a quarter mantra you're going to share with us today to get that ball rolling? Okay. So I'm going to say super, super consistent. So uh, I've been on the show before and I, I still believe in my last quote. So I'm going to tell that to you again, yes. uh, which comes from Barbara, Barbara Kingsolver, who's an, who's an author. And in one of her books, she has a quote that says, the very least you can do in your life is figure out what you hope for. Mm. And then the most you can do is live inside that hope. I love it. There's so much power in there. Just dive into how that quote sings to you and why it's so impactful. You know what I love? It's it's uh, whether I'm working on on my own work, my own life, or I'm working with a brand. It's it's really about the the good stuff comes from saying, "What do you want this to turn into? Mm. Where do you want this to go? What does this look like?" Yeah. Everything for me starts with a vision of where's this taking me? What mm-hmm. would this look like if it's all going well? And so the first part of that quote is about that that piece, and then the second half is about often we we can put some words to that vision or what we want to do, but then we're really, really bad about saying, and I'm just going to stick my toe in and see what happens and ask what if and say yes. So the second part of that is about just go live inside that thing and see what you can create. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's one of the biggest lessons I've learned from talking to so many incredible, successful people on the show is that they live with purpose. They, they don't just open a restaurant for the sake of, you know, serving food every day and you know making you know having guests and just going through the motions like there is something that is behind that restaurant a a higher purpose a higher uh meaning to the work they do and when you live with purpose and you live to fulfill that that mission it makes showing up to work so much easier and it's so much easier to get people behind you pulling uh, are pushing you in that direction. All everybody pulling in that same direction. It's so powerful. Uh, so great way to get this going. And uh, why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit more about you? Um, what makes you an authority on the topic of people operations and kind of a you know your your track record in how you got to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, I I think. I'm an authority on it, mostly because I'm obsessed with it. I think, you know, we all go to work every day and, and we're going to spend purpose. a ton of our time there. <laughs> and living purpose. Yeah, it's uh, it's all connected. Yes, sir. So, you know, we all go to work every day. And, and I started working when I was 15 in Pizza Hut. And my family worked with me, my grandma, my sister, my uncle, my my grandpa. And 
And I, I didn't realize at the time that work was supposed to be something you didn't like. Mm-hmm. Like we went to work every day. We had fun. You know, I was doing it all through high school. And so it wasn't until later when I was in college and working that I thought, oh, people don't like going to work. You know, I didn't I didn't get the jokes on on <laughs> sitcoms about like being mad about going to work because I was like, work's kind of fun. Yeah. We take care of each other. We work together. We do all these things. And later on, when I was a manager um, at Pop Belly and then became a director of ops uh, and worked at Let Us Entertain You and then Homemade Pizza Company and finally was a partner and chief operating officer at Protein Bar. I realized that that doesn't happen everywhere, that you have to actively create an environment where people do good work. And so we often look at all of the different results we want to get and and the things we'd like to happen, the food cost, the sales, the social media likes or whatever the case is that we're working towards. And we don't stop and think, how do you actually get that? And I believe that you get it all through the conditions of the workplace, which is people operations. When did that click for you? Like, what did you have an aha moment where it was like a bomb went off and you're just like, whoa, my mind's blown. Like, this is what it's all about. Can you take us through that, uh, that, that moment of like, aha? Uh-huh. Yeah, I had, I have like a really, really, really specific one. when I, when I'm speaking, I'm, I'm a keynote speaker. And so when I speak, I use this moment because it's so clear and visceral to me. I was working at a pot belly sandwich shop back when we had like maybe 10 locations. Uh, so we were still small and growing a lot. I ended up saying like six years after this. So the story didn't ruin it for me, but it definitely gave me some, some, uh, intention. So I was working with a GM who, who had been a GM at this place and that place and the other had done it. You know, one of those people that says, like, I have 20 years of experience. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no, you really just have like one year of experience. You keep reliving it 20 times because yeah. you're not growing. So at the time, that was all I knew of a manager was my grandma, right, who had been the GM of Pizza Hut. And then this this woman that I was working with uh, at Potbelly. And I would I would say I would come in and I would say I was an assistant manager and I would say, hey, there's this is going on with these team members or I'm trying to get so-and-so to do this, but I'm struggling with, with this or that. And she would say, there was, there's this uh, Hebrew quote and she would say it. And it basically means why is today any different than the others? And I remember one night sitting there and, and I was calling my grandma and I was like, I'm trying to figure this out. We've got these new regional managers coming in to train for uh, the new market we were opening in DC. And I was trying to really give them a good experience and, work with my staff and grow my team and do all these things. And I had a manager who was like, why, why is today different than yesterday? Just do what you got to do. Get your stuff done, go home. And I called my grandma like so distraught. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just an assistant manager at Potbelly and you're the, you were the GM of Pizza Hut. And like, you, you really knew what to do and I don't know what to do. And she said, well, just do what makes sense to you. Go talk to the team. If you're having an issue, go sit down and say, Hey guys, here's where I think we need to go. How would you like to be part of getting there? What would you like to do? What do you think we're doing wrong? What do you think we need to do better? And I had been so scared of that because my manager at the time was like, no, you tell them what to do. You don't let the <laughs> inmates run the asylum. They need don't show any signs of weakness. And so my grandma just said, there's this other way, like do what we would have done at Pizza Hut, like go sit down in the lobby and say, hey, guys, like this is where we are. This is where we should be. What do you think stopping us? What can we do? Mm. And so I did that. And uh, we came up with this little game we were going to do. We, we did it early on a Saturday called On the Line. We lived in Chicago, so like the line, the train line, I okay. guess. So we did this On the Line role play thing. And I had never really done that before. Uh, I was just getting my toe wet and doing improv. And mm-hmm. so in Chicago at Second City. And I said, let's do some improv games and see what happens. And we called it On the Line. And, uh, and it was really fun. And everyone opened up. We were able to come up with some like solutions for things. Everyone committed. And that to me was the turning point that night that I sat there in the office uh, with the door closed, like almost crying. I'm like 21 years old, almost crying, thinking, I don't, what am I doing? I have no idea what I'm doing here, managing this store. And I have a boss who says, why is today different than yesterday? Just keep going. Oh man, just so many awesome things I want to pull out of that story. First, what you said about living um, with purpose uh, and how tying that into uh, living, you know, you had this boss who uh, had 20 years of experience, but no, you just had, like you said, uh, one year, 20 times over and there's no growth there. And I couldn't help but think of Donald Burns, who was on the show just the other day, who shared Mario Andrani's quote of, you know, if you're, if you have control, then you're not going fast enough. And like, well, you can live every year over and over again and do the same thing, or you can grow and live on that edge of uncomfort and just and just deliver so much value to your team. And then you also brought up the whole thing with uh, 
just the whole improv and making it about everyone and giving people that sense of ownership that they're contributing. There's so much power in all those things you just share with us. You want to reflect on anything I just said? Yeah. You know, the one thing I think uh, I use, if I'm doing a workshop for somebody, it often has a bunch of these improv activities in it because I think it's just such a great way to, to just kind of live in, in what's existing. And so often what happens is there's these, these realities that are going on and we don't acknowledge them. Yep. Both sides, the employee and the manager, pretend that the thing doesn't exist versus saying, hey, can we talk about this thing and come up with solutions? So if anyone's out there and listening, uh, improv is a really it doesn't have to be about like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler comedy. It could be this like therapy for your Mm -hmm. team about unlocking how to work together better. And I I think it always led me to ask two questions, which are uh, what if? And why not? Mm-hmm. And I think if you ask that, you usually can can come up with some cool stuff. Yeah. And just, you know, creating that culture, that environment of where people feel like they can approach you with the issues. And if you don't let people know that they can approach you with these problems, you're just going to fester and grow and get worse. And if you if you break down those walls and you I'll give people the you empower them to approach you with these things that you may never notice until it's too late and then it's going to be way <laughs> too much work to get things back to where they should be. Uh there's just tons of great stuff you're dropping on us already. So, uh I think we got a good sense of who you are, why we should be listening to you, a great track record of success and uh you you just know your stuff. So, uh let's talk about what we're going to be covering today, which is uh people operations. Yesterday, I had uh, Donald Burns on on the show, and we're talking about uh, hiring and uh, just uh, training and uh, evolving people, and that's kind of a good segue into what we're going to be talking about today, which is what's the difference between people ops and HR, and then we're going to really dive further into people people ops, and you have four buckets. Uh, I can't remember exactly what you call it. Four buckets of what? Uh I don't know. We could call it the employee life cycle. <laughs> okay. So the, the four uh, buckets of employee life cycle to really paint that crystal clear vision of what people operations is all about. And, and we're, hopefully you can take some of these lessons and apply them in your restaurant. So, uh, okay. The first question, what's the difference between people ops and HR? Yeah. So there's, there's this interesting thing going on because I think we've all, we've all heard about, you know, culture. And so we look at like Google or Airbnb and we think they do culture. So I guess I, I need to figure out what they're doing and how I can do it. Mm-hmm. And so then we hear about ping pong tables and freedom to work wherever you want. And as restaurant people, we think, oh, well, we can't do that. We can't have a ping pong table. We can't have, you know, free snacks all the time, stock options and, and work from wherever you want. We've got to be in the restaurant. So then it's easy to discount all the stuff they do and say it doesn't work. But the reality is those things work for those companies because of who they are. So Google is really the one that started the like people operations craze. So mm-hmm. more there's, there's people operations, there's HR. And the other thing I'm seeing a lot right now in that space is the employee experience team. So at Airbnb, which is a big, uh, you know, competitor with the hotel world, I guess, mm-hmm. the disruptor of the hotel world, they they have an employee experience team. Okay. So for me, the difference, if somebody says, hey, I really want to work on people operations, the difference is that HR has largely always been about compliance. Okay, It's been about how do we keep, you know, you kind of treat the employees who walk in every day who we say are our most valuable asset. We treat them like they're there to screw us over. And we try to protect the company from the people coming in and, and trying to pull one over on us. That's traditional HR, not all HR. I speak often to HR audiences, and there are people doing amazing work. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of organizations, we think of HR as the handbook, the policies, the anti-harassment, the non-discrimination, and the paychecks. Okay, got it. People operation, and then employee experience is saying, what's everything look like? the whole time you work here. So kind of like customer experience, but for your employees. Okay. What is it like every day? How's it feel? All of those kinds of things. And then people operations, I think, is both of those kind of rolled up. Mm. And if you look at restaurant operations, you should be looking at your numbers, your stats, how do things work together? And so there's a little bit of involving that in HR, looking at how many applicants do we have to get to fill one job? If you notice that over time it's becoming more and more applicants, then you might look at that and say, maybe we have an issue with sourcing the right candidates in the first place, and we should look at that. So people operations is about taking culture, about taking the HR side of it and marrying it with what we're so good at in the restaurant space, which is operations. How does this thing actually function? Mm. If if every single day you had a, a rule in your restaurant that we needed four servers on the floor for every 25 customers. 
that's what you would do. And if you notice that you that wasn't working or you weren't serving customers, you'd add more servers. If you notice that the servers didn't have a lot to do, but the customers were happy, you would add less servers. So you'd look at your operations and you'd use your numbers and your stats to change things. People operations is just doing the same thing, but around the way you hire, the way you train, the way you promote, using data, using information to make better decisions. Mm -hmm. Can you give me some examples of where we're sourcing this data to be able to make these decisions? Yeah, I think, you know, it depends because in this uh, restaurant space, and I'm sure a lot of folks listening, some folks are still using paper applications and someone's dropping it off and, and you have a pile of applications. So I would say create a system there where you can track how many applicants you posted an ad on Craigslist or whatever you're doing on Friday. And then next Friday, you look and see we had 20 applications. All right. If that's enough applications, then keep it going. If it's not, then you need to change something. So now change something on the second Friday and then see, did you get more applications the following week? If so, that might work for you. If not, that thing doesn't work. So that's that's a super lo-fi way of doing it. Hi-fi way is if you're using um, any of the online systems for recruiting, if you're using Taleo or People Matter or something like that, you can use the data there. How many people are applying? How many got through to first interview? It's really just saying, how can you look at that information? So on the hiring front, those are two examples, one hi-fi, one lo-fi. And then you're just plugging in different variables and seeing what happens when you do those things. All right. So right now, I feel like we're um, covering the recruiting part of people operations and the tools you can use to... uh, to do the best you can in that process of recruiting. I'll dive further into that first bucket recruiting and things we need to know uh, before we start listing some resources for uh, the next uh, bucket that you're going to share on us. Sure. Yeah. So the first, the first thing that I work on, we were talking earlier, one of the things I do for, for people to have me come in and say, Hey, look at our, our, look at our people systems and help us see where things are and what we need to do. So the very first thing I always do, and there's four of them, like you mentioned, is talk about how you're attracting the right people. We often just think of recruiting as the, the get applications and hire people, but it's really about what are you doing the whole time to make sure that you're attracting the right tribe to you Mm. so that people are coming to you. I went to see uh, Simon Sinek last night and he was talking about, the difference between <laughs> I know it's pretty cool fanboy fanboy um, uh, just a real so, quick FYI Simon Sinek if you guys aren't familiar with that name uh, I've featured his book um, start with why it's an incredible book uh, if you really want to learn more about Simon Sinek's uh, work uh, I mean that book has rocked the world of so many people um, and this is his new book that Mike's talking about so if you haven't checked out start with why that might be a, pl- a great place to kind of you know, get on the Simon Sinek bandwagon. Uh, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, yeah. So he was talking about the way that the the army versus the Marines attracts people. So there was a recruiting event at a high school. The army came out and sold the army. This is why you need the army. Come to the army, blah, 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 blah. The, the Navy came. They did mostly the same thing. The Marine recruiter came out. He looked at the students and he was like, all right, I don't want any of you. Uh, This is what we're looking for in the Marines, people that want to do this, that want to create this, that want to live this life, this band of brothers moment. And I don't see any of you in the audience. So uh, peace out. See you later. If you disagree with me, then I'll see you in the back of the room. Otherwise, have a good life, everybody. And it was like, that's what you want to be as a recruiter, as as a restaurateur, as somebody leading people operations in a restaurant group, that's what you want to do. You don't just want to be like sifting through resumes of who shows up. You want to focus instead of attracting the right people. What would the people that you want working with you, that you want changing the world with your restaurant, what would they be attracted to? And then you need to broadcast that message. Mm, Really dive into uh, the psychology behind what that Marine recruiter was doing. And I know you're a psychology major. major. I stalked you a little bit before this. (laughs) More about your background. So like dive into what it is he's doing. Like what's going on in that situation, that example. I mean, I think a couple things. One, it's it's better storytelling. Mm-hmm. In the first version, the uh, the army guy is just talking about the army, the army, the army. In the in the marine version, he's talking about what it's like to be a marine, mm-hmm. what that's like every day, what they go through, how they think, how they operate. And so people in the audience can start to say like, oh my God, that's, that's how I want to live. Mm-hmm. They're not just listening to the army recruiter say, hey, you know, we do this, we go and do this kind of things. This is what life's like. This is what boot camp's like. This is what you're going to, this is what you're going to, the missions you're going to go on. The Marine was going somewhere deeper and saying, this is what people who are Marines believe in. Mm. This is how we treat each other. This is what we think about. And so people in the audience then are starting to say they're either one, they can opt out and be like, that is not me. Like 
no thank you, which saves him a lot of time. Like that's not my place, uh, which we could also do in the, in the restaurant space by talking about the experience and what we're creating and what it's like to work in our restaurant. There might be people that are like, I don't, I'm not all about giving that level of service. So mm-hmm. I opt out and you save time. So number one, he was helping people self-select. Number two, you know, there's something about somebody saying, hey, I don't want you that you're like, yeah, yeah, you do. I'm good. <laughs> you need me. Let me tell you why. I don't know that that works in, in our space as much. Uh, but but the storytelling aspect of what it's like to be here is really good. And a lot of times what happens when you, you talked about Start With Why, which is the, the Simon Sinek book, and he talks about instead of telling people what you do, tell them why you do it. Mm-hmm. And so in the restaurant space, you know, it could get a little heady of like, what are we doing? We're feeding people in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, <laughs> so then think, think deeper than that. And it, is your restaurant a place of community? Are you creating a warm environment where people come together and, and love, love being together in your space? Are you a place where people celebrate events? So thinking deeper than that and then being able to broadcast that message when you're trying to attract people so that the right people come and find you. Is, is one, going to make your recruiting a lot easier, and two, you're just going to get the right people earlier. All right, let's slam on the brakes real quick because I feel like you're circling around uh, two words uh, that rhyme with s'more, and I can't think of anything that rhymes with value, so I'm just going to say core values. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I, I, what I think you're trying to say is... Uh, or what you are saying, you're saying it beautifully, is that you got to start with identifying what makes you special, what you're all about, what your core values are, and find people that share those same core values as you. And I'm sure mission and purpose live somewhere in there too. Is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah. And I think I think it probably starts with, with purpose or mission or why we're doing this. I think it actually starts there and then radiates out mm-hmm. to the core values because sometimes somebody might say like, you know, one of your core values is community. And it's like, I don't really know what that means as like a 17 year old, like pizza Mm -hmm. dude. Um, but I might be attracted to like what you're trying to do with pizza. I might be attracted to that thing. And then the way you treat me, the way you shape me, the conditions in the restaurant can actually help me understand what community means Mm -hmm. more. So, cause the issue so often in our industry, we're people's first job. Mm -hmm. Like this is a lot of people's first job as a restaurant job. So we have some responsibility to help shape who they're going to become as employees. Which I think is so awesome. Like how many uh, careers can you get into where you have such an influence on people? Uh, you can mold so many young lives. You can influence so many people. You can give them the tools they will use for the rest of their lives to be successful human beings. It, that's powerful. Like that to me, that's so appealing to know that I I can be a picture of somebody you want to aspire to be more like. Maybe that's a little almighty to say, but like <laughs> how? But no. But how exciting is that, right? I mean, doesn't that excite you guys listening in at this? Like that you have that influence, that you can be that mentor in someone's life. There's so much just reward in that alone, wouldn't you say, Mike? Totally, totally. And one of the things I'll add to that, by the way, because I think there's probably a lot of folks who are listening to this show. One of the things I love about the show is that it's here for people who who own restaurants, but also people who are running shifts, mm-hmm. who are shift managers. One of the things I say all the time when I'm speaking or working with teams is you got to get that frontline leader job really dialed in. You've got that's the most important job in your restaurant. Mm-hmm. Those people have more impact than the owner, than the general manager, the shift managers, the the bar managers, the folks who are there every moment in the trenches, in the decision making of there's a customer in the lobby, they're happy, they're not happy. That shift manager is the one who makes a decision to do something. And so often we don't think about those jobs as owners and, and managers. It's it's very easy to think when we're doing the show or talking to the show that there's owners and managers listening to us. But I hope someone right now driving their car on their way to a shift where they're going to close tonight, there's a shift manager listening. And, and what I want that person to understand is you don't have to wait for somebody else to be a great leader. Mm. You don't have to wait for somebody else to say, this is going to be an amazing shift. Yes. You can be that person that Eric's talking about that somebody looks up to and says, wow, I want to be, this person's an amazing person. And so you don't have to wait until the day that your name is the one in front of the logo on the brand. On your shift today, tonight, you can be the person that you wish you had as a manager. Mm, I love it, man. So uh, 
I don't know if we got a track there, but it was totally worth <laughs> it if we did. Uh, so just to bring it back to the recruiting, you, you kind of walked us through uh, that uh, military recruiting uh, example and what you need to be doing, like uh, you know, spelling out who you are and what you're all about. And you also mentioned something in there that ties back to what Donald Byrne said the other day: is make it challenging. Don't just hire anyone. Make it so like somebody really wants to like prove to you that they can be a part of what you're looking for. Uh, what what else? Uh, is there anything else that falls under this this uh, this bucket we're covering right now? I think the only thing I would add is that is is really rethink what we call it. So we call it recruiting. I would call it attracting. Mm. I would change that word to attracting, and then I would say uh, recruiting mm-hmm. is to operations as marketing is to sales. Mm. Think of recruiting as you, for your operations for your team. You are trying to market to these people. And the reality is, and I hear this all the time, we don't have enough employees. We're struggling. So this idea that we can walk into the interview room and be like, what's up? You want to work here? You got to be awesome. We have to do some storytelling too. We need to attract great people. And then the interview process should be about learning about each other. It should be like dating. It shouldn't be about proving anything because then we set up this thing where it's us against them and we're trying to, they're nervous, we're nervous, and everybody's trying to put on their best face. What I think interviewing should be like is a is a first or second date where it's like, I'm just trying to get to know you better mm. and you should be trying to get to me, know me better so we could figure out if this thing's going to work. I like Because it. if we're both just putting on our best, then when I show up on my first day, we're both disappointed. It's like, you know, if somebody's on Tinder and it's like what you presented of yourself is not <laughs> what showed up on that first date, that doesn't work out. Yeah. So I think recruiting is to operations as marketing is to sales. And we need to think of it as we're trying to attract great people to come be part of our team. I love it. Uh, man, my mind is like like herding cats right now. Like there's so many like things I want to like pull out <laughs> and I just don't know how to organize it. Uh, but you know, I, I think it, it's worth uh, talking about what you were saying about uh, attracting and being having the mentality. I think it's a lot about mentality of what is recruiting and you said that it's not about uh, how do I say this? Uh, the words to use, Mike. Hmm. I'm usually not out of lots of words. This doesn't happen often, but I, I, I feel like what's the mindset we need to be in to 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 switch from you know just getting somebody on, getting a pulse, a heartbeat, a, a warm body on our team to being having the the mentality, the uh, whereabout to say you no, know, like we are something special. Uh, we we aren't going to just select anyone like how do you switch am i making sense am i yeah yeah so so what i would do to to uh how i would kind of maybe define what you're trying to to ask there is to say what what's the difference between just hiring anybody and and i actually think there's three things we should talk about or point out here there's a difference between hire anybody because we need a body Mm -hmm. there's the other side of i'm going to be super super jerk and uh, this is, I'm going to grill you. That's so old school management. It's just not going to attract the right people, by the way. And then the third is to say, what do I need to do to make this interviewing process really valuable to me as a manager, you as an interviewee and the organization as a whole? Yeah. That's the question I think we need to ask. And for me, that's curiosity mm. in the interview process. You need to be more curious with what we're doing, and, and I see this so often, what we do is we say, we've got these eight questions. I'm going to ask these person these eight questions somewhere in a book or on Google or on Inc.com. Somebody told you that you should say, tell me about a time when you gave great service. They, you know, BS some answer about a time they gave great service. You say, okay, that sounds good. And you move on. No, I want to know more about that. So the little old lady was crossing the street and you carried her bags. Tell me more about that. How did you notice her? What were you doing when you noticed her? What did you decide not to do so that you could go help her? Uh, how did you feel when you did that? And have you done it again? Why, why have you done it again? Or why have you not done it again? It should literally be maybe you're asking three questions and you're going deep. Yeah. And because you want to know the person. What yeah. are you getting? And I think almost uh, – approaching that situation of recruiting as my job in this role is to make sure that I'm putting somebody in a position where their assets, their strengths, the person they are is going to excel in life. And I'm, I'm taking the person that's right for this job and giving them the opportunity to 
based off of the the features, their their uh, qualities they have to to be them, you're almost serving them by giving them the, the opportunity to be on your team because that's where they belong. Is that kind of yeah. a cool attitude to have? Is that does that make yeah. sense? You're casting. Yeah. It's like casting a TV show or a play. You've got this experience you want to create for the audience, a.k.a. your customers. Mm-hmm. You've got this cast of characters in the show who are producing this feeling for the customers. And so every time you hire someone, you're casting. Every time you hire someone, by the way, you are changing your company culture. Mm. They're adding to it or taking it away. So that's how you should be thinking about it. And the only way you can approach that is instead of interrogating people and saying, I really got to find out who you are, it's getting really curious. What Mm. makes them tick? Got it. What makes them, what do they love to do and that kind of stuff? That's what I think. Curiosity. I love it. Awesome stuff. So let's move on to that second bucket, which uh, you told me (laughs) is uh, how they help people. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So the second thing I always talk about is we look at areas and how are you helping people succeed first immediately and then forever. And the first thing with the immediately is when somebody starts, what does their orientation look like? What does their initial training look like? What it often looks like is somebody sits down, hey, welcome to the team. Here's your paperwork. Here's a handbook. Read all of this. Did you understand the rules? Sounds good. You're going to follow Jane tonight. Have a good shift. And then the next day you come in and you follow someone else until you've done your five follows. We check it off the list and then you get on the floor. Okay. So sorry, keep going. Yeah. So, so the the thing is looking at that and saying, is that actually the best way for that to happen? You've hired this new person. You were curious, you cast them. You essentially said, I believe this person is going to create amazing experiences for my customer in the kitchen, in the dish room, on the floor, behind the bar, in the delivery car. And then when they show up, you need to make sure that you continue that journey for them. And so I always ask this question and say, when they leave after their first shift, what do you want them to say? They're going to go home and they're going to tell a story to their loved one, to their mom, to their roommate, to their buddy. They're going to tell a story to somebody on Facebook, by the way, in the world we live in, in the social age. What story do you want them to tell? What do you want them to say about working at your place? What do you want them to say about what you believe about customer service? What you believe about pizza or sandwiches or whatever you serve? If you aren't crafting that story, then you're leaving it up to them to try to figure it out on their own. And I see that happen way too often. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like to me what you're doing in this portion of uh, how you you can help them is what tools, what resources, uh, what atmosphere, what are you putting this person in? into the person that you've selected that has all the attributes you're looking for, all the, the, the right attitude, the, the right qualities, you've identified that person, you're putting them into a system. Will that system enable them to, to do the best possible job? So they're leaving at the end of the day saying, like, my experience at work was incredible uh, because you were providing them with the infrastructure to be the best they can be. Totally. That's totally it. And it's, and it's, it's, And it's really easy. It's really small. It's not easy. It's simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. And there's just a few tweaks. It's looking and saying, what does your orientation look like? Is it focused on rules and HR compliance things? Or is it focused on the big dream? Mm. This is what we're trying to do here. This is how we think you're part of it. This is why we got this thing started. Is there storytelling around what that looks like? When you talk about customer service, are you just saying, here are the five steps of service? Are you saying, hey, let's go walk into the lobby. I want to show you what this looks like. See that customer over there. When they just walked in, this and this happened to them. We do it that way because we believe it makes this feeling happen for them Mm -hmm. or we believe it makes them do this. That's such a different experience. And it also this help them succeed bucket immediately and forever is also around training. Mm -hmm. What does training look like? How have you set clear expectations? Um, I spend a lot of time working with people around training and what are the what are the main questions you should be asking to make sure that you're getting clarity to people about what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And um, I was listening to the show recently and there was somebody who was talking about every time you train someone, you lose like 10%. It degrades 10%. I think maybe Ryan. Ryan Grumpfin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So every time it degrades, it degrades, it degrades. The only way around that is to make sure that you're continually keeping it awesome. Yes. Keep going in and recharging the people who are training. Keep going in and resetting expectations with everybody, yes. making it really clear. So helping them succeed is about a really killer kickoff. There's, there's actually this really strong research around the first 90 days of someone's experience in your company which in the restaurant world seems like a really long time. For the rest of the world, that's a very short time. But the first 90 days 
impacts whether they're going to stick around very long and it impacts how successful they are with your company. So where I would spend time is I would get really dialed into those first 90 days. What happens to them? Who do they meet? What do they learn? What does training look like? How often are you as a manager sitting down with them and saying, how are things going? If you can nail those first 90 days, you're probably pretty set up. So when I work with an organization on their training or people systems, we spend a lot of time talking about what do the first 90 days look like? Awesome. So I'm just going to try to summarize and see if I took away what you intended to be taken away, which is the second part of uh, how you can help people, the, the, the giving them the resources to help them. It starts with real broad conceptual stuff, the why, our purpose. Uh, this is the, the reason why we do things, certain things the way we do it. And then also more of the, um, the, uh, the physical... Um, I guess the word would be like the, the standards, the systems, the processes, the, the, the what's the word? Uh, it was just in my mind. I'm not really, I'm struggling today, Mike. This doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, the, the mechanical stuff, that's the word I'm looking for. The mechanical stuff that will uh, paint a picture of perfection of what the job done right looks like so they can be successful in their job. Is that safe to say? Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. And the only thing I would layer on that is then saying, you know, there's this idea that like good people or bad people come to work. And, uh, you know, you got to get the good ones. I actually disagree with that. I think good people do bad things in bad environments. Mm -hmm. And I think bad people do great things in good environments. The, we discount the impact of the environment of the room of the space. And so as you align your orientation, your training, your first 90 days, the expectations, getting clear, all the things you just said, I think the other thing is to really look at it and say, what does it look like and feel like in here every day? Is this the kind of place where people look to their left and look to their right at their coworkers and say, those people have my back. We could do good work together. I feel safe here. Is it a place where they feel like they're getting a lot from management? There's a lot of focus and help on them succeeding because, uh, and I've learned this over and over and over, conditions matter mm. more, than, more than anything else. Absolutely. We, think it's like I hired a good person and then I actually just, uh, I looked back to when I was on the show last time I had asked on Facebook, Hey, what do you guys, what would be helpful for me to talk about? What would you want to learn? And somebody said, well, I keep hiring people who interview really well and then they turn out not to be great. Oh, so what do I need to change in my hiring? Me? Like that's yeah. what I'd be asking myself. <laughs> my, my thing right there is you don't have a hiring issue. You've got a culture issue. Yeah. You've got a, you've got an environment issue and, uh, and we just need to work on tweaking that a little bit. Mike, I, I completely agree. You can't put good people into bad uh, circumstances. Into You can't set them up for failure. And what I'm hearing from you is once you get that good person, you need to put them in a situation, into a funnel that's going to steer them to success. Uh, whether it be the, the broad conceptual stuff or like the little the, the, the systems, the processes, the procedures, the tools they need to do what you expect from them. And you, if they're not doing it right, is it them or am I enabling them to do it is what I'm really taking away from this. 100%. 100%. Awesome stuff. So let's move on unless there's anything else you want to drive home on this topic of just giving them the tools to help them do it right. No, I mean, we could talk probably for three weeks about, <laughs> about training and organizational design. So I think that's a good entry. And then uh, Real people quick, can find, find us to learn more. Before moving on, um, I really like to uh, extract resources and tools uh, that, we'll, that we can implement to, in, to plug into our business to enable us to do this for our people. So what are some tools that you know of that, uh, can, that people can use in their restaurants to help with the training? Yeah, wink, I think... You wink, know, wink. <laughs> there's so many options. I don't know what the wink wink is. I'm missing it. I'm so um, my my sponsor and somebody that you have been working with, Tipsy, is one of the tools I can think of. Right. Uh, which is a great platform. Do you want to explain what that is? Yeah, so Tipsy is this great resource. So it's online learning. So you pay a, a little a monthly subscription fee, a low amount, and then you have access to all of these uh, thought leaders and trainers on specific topics. So I did a video course for them. It's uh, 20 videos, I think. They're like five minutes each, super digestible. I created a bunch of resource guides, interviewing guides, things like that for them as well. So you pay you know, the, the money each month to, to get into the, the access to it. Then you could pick these courses. And so mine is about being a first-time manager. So I did a whole series around what is it like to be a first time manager? What do you need to know? What do you need to do? How do you handle difficult conversations? How do you handle difficult guests? How do you schedule efficiently? All those kinds of things. I know there's other ones on customer service with my buddy, my buddy who wrote uh, Hello, which is one of my favorite, favorite books. Yeah, uh, she, she has on a great the show. series. Karen, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's um, just a, one of the examples. I mean, we've mentioned Skooks on the Skooks on the show. We've mentioned uh, Way Trainer. Uh, Wise Tales is another one. But those are platforms where you can convey the message of. Uh, or just a platform to put all of your training in one spot, a digital platform for training, uh, which is like the way of the future. And it's, uh, it's the, yeah. how we can evolve to uh, enable our people to do the jobs uh, that you expect them to do. So uh, that's You just- could even do it super lo-fi though. Yep. You could look, use like Google apps and you mm-hmm. throw some like videos into YouTube. You create a couple of channels of like new hire stuff, ongoing stuff. Uh, you can make this real simple as well. So there's there's all kinds of easy ways to get this going. Awesome. Great. Uh, so let's move on now that we've given some uh, calls to action, some resources that folks can be leveraging to uh, implement th- these trainings. Uh, what's the next bucket you're going to share with us? So after you work on helping people succeed immediately and forever, you're thinking of training, you're thinking of development, you're coaching them, you're doing all that. The next thing is uh, growing great leaders. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't necessarily mean everybody has to be, a, I always talk about big L and little L, like capital L and lowercase L leaders. Um, leaders are people who other people want to follow. And so whether or not you promote somebody to be a shift manager or a bar manager, you have people who others are following. Mm -hmm. You've got those people in your location who everyone goes to. They know they're the one who know the stuff. They're the one who can help them. Often what I find is it's the people that know the stuff and the people that are really good at helping others without making them feel stupid. Mm -hmm. That's who people go to. So as an organization, I think you have to look and say, how are we growing great leaders? Mm -hmm. What does it look like? What is the feedback loop? How are we teaching people things? How are we involving them in the conversation? So we're going to make some decisions. How do we get everybody together and say, hey, guys, here's some stuff we're thinking about. What do you think we should do? Mm. Um, Because what happens so often is we make all the leadership decisions. We go back to our leadership office. We make leadership decisions. About half the time we're wrong. Mm -hmm. So we're 50-50 anyway. We come out. We tell the people, I've made some decisions. Here's what you need to know. Uh, Like I said, half the time we're right, half the time we're wrong. They then go to work in that system. The system's wrong. They come back. We're accountable for everything. We feel stressed out. So I don't understand why you wouldn't just go and say, hey, here's some stuff we need to work on as a, as a restaurant. We need to think about uh, wine sales. Wine sales have been dipping lately. What ideas do you all have? What do you think we could be working on? Mm-hmm. Where do you think we're falling apart here? Get some agreement. Get some work going. Test some things. And then you go back to them and say, hey, guys, we did your three ideas. It looks like these two worked. Uh, this one didn't seem to work. What do you think we should do? Should we toss that one? Should we do this? The, the challenge that I think people have is that they think that managing people is what you need to do. I think you need to manage the process because nobody really wants to be managed. Nobody comes to work and says, please manage me. I want to be managed. We want to be led. We want to be inspired. We want to be focused. We want to be encouraged, but we don't want to be managed. So I think as a manager, your job is to manage the process Mm -hmm. and let the people uh, let the people work within that and then say, okay, something's wrong with the system because we're not getting it right. Let's tweak it. But it's not our job to fix people. It's our job to manage the process and then get people involved in that. So growing great leaders is about saying before you need them, before you need to promote somebody, how are you getting them involved in decision making so they can learn that they can learn how we make decisions. They can learn how do we think about accountability? How do we think about P&L responsibility? Because what happens so often is we don't do that. And then all of a sudden we say we need a bar manager. Let's promote this guy. He goes into the role and then he struggles for 90 days to half a year to figure out how to do that. What if you were constantly teaching people leadership all along? It's kind of like customer service. Back in like 1980, if we needed customer service, we would have gone to like a customer service department. There were no books on customer service. Nobody was talking about customer service. None of that existed. But today we realize everybody's job is customer service. I think eventually we're going to realize it's everybody's job to be a leader. Mm, Some of us are in charge of managing the system. We have to manage the system, manage the process, manage towards that. But it's everybody's job to be a leader because think about it. If you're a a restaurant and someone's at your front counter working at the POS in a quick service place, someone's on the phone handling a a pizza order or someone's in the lobby um, seating a guest, they are the leader of that experience. Mm -hmm. And if you're not teaching them leadership skills, you're leaving a lot. I love it. And and like just to summarize in, in a few words, it sounds like manage the process, manage the system, lead people um and let's like how do you lead a person though i I feel like we can get some clarity on the right way to lead a person is that a tough one yeah i mean i think it's i think it's saying you don't need to focus on leading 
I think it's it's changing the perspective a little bit. And instead of saying like I need to lead the person or I need to to guide the person or manage the person, I think it's saying I'm the kind of person people want to follow. Okay. Because that's what leadership is, right? It's getting people who follow you, and and so whether that's whether that's you with your show and getting followers, getting listeners, whether it's me as a speaker, it's not about saying, "Hey, here's the things I'm going to do to you so I could be your leader." It's about saying, "I need to add value and contribute in a way that makes you want to follow me." So if we go back to what you said in the beginning, when I said there's that shift manager who's in their car listening to the show on the way to work, they don't need to wait for permission to be the kind of leader they wish they had. This is where that comes in. Just be that person who people would want to follow. So a couple of things I think there are focus on how you can serve the team. Mm-hmm. So asking what does the team need from me right now? Not what do I need from them? We start our pre-shifts often saying, here's what I need from you today. Here's what you got to do. Shift that a little bit and say, hey, here's what we're up against tonight. What do you all need for me to make that happen? How mm-hmm. can I support you? What would you like for me so that you can achieve those things. When you're sitting down with someone in a one-on-one, you say, Hey, here's where things are. Here's where, here's where we were talking about them going last time we met. What can I do to support you in that? What do you need from me? Are you getting enough feedback? Are you getting enough information? Are you getting enough training? So being a great leader, first of all, or being the kind of person someone would want to follow, I think is number one about focusing on what you can do to help them succeed. Number two is about providing a ton of clarity in an inspiring way about where everybody's headed. Mm. Why are we doing this thing? We're all in this little spinning circle rock together. Why did we choose to be in this location, in this restaurant? Where are we going? Where's this taking us? Awesome. And listening to you talk, um, and I've, I've picked up on this from, from the very beginning of what you're saying, what you're sharing with us is so, so spot on with the, the recent guests on the show, like Cameron Mitchell and like uh, John Buchanan, which is somebody I'm sure you know you worked with, right? With uh, Let Us Entertain You. Uh, like what they were saying to us was most operations stop with giving the processes, the systems, the procedures, the the how, the operations book, that stack of book, but they don't go to that next level of greatness, which is developing leaders and how to develop leaders is to teach them how to be, how to think. And you do that by being the example of what a good person is, of what, like, how do you manage yourself? How are you treating other people? Are you, are you acting in alignment to your core values and the mission and what your business believes in? And then being that shining example and correcting people when they're thinking wrong, when their mentality isn't where it should be and saying, this is why we need to think like this. This is this is the reason why, and this is going to be the outcome when you do think like this. You're teaching people how to think, so others want to say, "Wow, you know, Mike, he he just gets it. He's so good. He's so respectful. I have there's so much dignity there. There's so much uh, there's so much greatness in who he is. Uh, just there's honor there. Words like integrity, honor, respect. That's what I'm hearing from you. Is that fair? Totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah. I'm a little excited there, Mike. I know. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's the idea that it is our responsibility to teach other people how to do what we know how to do. It's our responsibility in our businesses to be helping them understand the decisions we make and how we made them so that someday when we need them to start making them, they can get it. And this goes back to even like customer service. We get mad that our team doesn't understand the things we understand about why we need to take care of customers, what we need to do, but we haven't done the work to teach them that. Mm. We haven't given decision-making responsibility and then given them feedback about how that works. And just like for you doing the show, for, for me in my life as a leader, I tried something, it didn't work, I got feedback, I made it better. I tried something, it worked, I got feedback, I kept doing it. And so if you're not giving that to your team a lot, mm-hmm. and that's where I find we often fail as leaders, we're just not giving a lot of feedback. Mm-hmm. We usually come in and tell them like when something didn't work, but we're not giving them a lot of feedback along the way. And we often wait too long. When we see something, we don't say something. It's like those those signs on the subway in New York are my favorite, or Chicago, where it has like a backpack sitting alone on a seat. And it says, if you see something, say something. Yeah. That's how I think we should be thinking about leadership. If you see something, say something. Yeah, and so it. that's the number one thing I think people could work on as leaders is giving more feedback so that people understand what's going on for you, what's going on for the brand, and what they could do differently. Because that teaches them to be a leader of themselves in the future. Man, this is awesome. I'm loving it. I really am. This is turning out to be incredible stuff. So uh, the last bucket we have here is helping uh, departing 
staff. Why Why is that so important? They're leaving us. What do we care what, what they do with their lives? They're not my problem anymore. Let's sure. Yeah, I think this is one thing, you know, I, I have Just this for the other... record, that's not how I feel. I know, I know. <laughs> okay. I know. You're playing the... I, I saw you, like, turn into another character there, so I know. Uh, yeah, you know, the thing is, is, is we usually stop at, at one of these first two. We hire people, we train them, and then when they leave, they move on. But I think there's something about creating this alumni network. I mean, mm-hmm. look at what it does for colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. I think there's something about saying... How do we how do we say goodbye to people? What's their story when they leave? And and if they're leaving for reasons that that um that are bad, it didn't work out, it's not a good fit or something like that, there's still a way you can do that where they have some dignity, where you've you've done the right thing, where the people who stay behind are saying, you know what, yeah, this this was the right call. I get why this happened. Um and the people that leave for positive reasons, which are I got a different job somewhere that I can do things I couldn't have done at this restaurant. I'm leaving for school. I'm leaving for that. There's a way to create this alumni network. So making it easy for people, making sure when they leave, you understand where their last check should go, where their W-2 should go. Uh, I think, I mean, this is really wild. This is my like crazy, crazy idea. But I think that people should create some kind of Facebook group or something for former employees of XYZ restaurant. I think you should... If you're using MailChimp or or something for mail, you should create a newsletter that goes out to former employees. Here's what's going on here. I think you should invite them to company parties. Now, obviously, if you have somebody that's leaving for like sexual harassment or theft or discrimination or something horrible like that, maybe that's treated differently. But for the most part, that's not why people leave us. And so having this group of people, especially if someone was good and they, they did a good job for you for a year or two years and it's like, wow, they were great. I'm sad to lose them. Why wouldn't you want that person speaking positively about you? Why wouldn't you want that person when they're, uh, you know, going into college and they've got friends who are still in high school or younger brothers and sisters to say, hey, you're somebody like me. I loved working at Eric's place. You should totally go there. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you extend your referral if you're offering some kind of like twenty five or thirty dollar referral bonus at some point? Why wouldn't you extend that to the people yeah. who used to work for you and did a great job? Why would you just let it end? Yeah, absolutely. And they, like they say, you know, birds of the same feather flock together. Like if you have good people, uh, they're going to know other good people and they're going to try to help those good people. Like I worked at, you know, John's Crab Shack and it was the best experience of my uh, young adulthood. And I have a little <laughs> brother. I have a younger sister and I have friends who are still in college who are going to need a, a job when they can come back for next semester. And I just graduated. Like I'm going to hook them up with the best job in town. Like that's what happens when you uh, create an amazing experience and you live to serve your people. When you have that service, that servant leadership mentality, and I'll even take your words. The words we use is helping departing staff, uh, helping them, you know, in that departing uh, process. But I would even take it a step further and, and change that wording and say, help depart staff, help get your staff out of your restaurant. Because let's be honest. The majority of people working for you, their end game isn't to to stay with you forever. They have aspirations. They have goals. You might know somebody. You might uh you you have a massive network when you own restaurants. You you touch so many people in a day. Like you might help them get that next job when they graduate. You might help them connect with the person that can take their career to the next level. Push people out of your restaurant. Don't make it about mm-hmm. your restaurant. Make it about them. If your goal in life is to serve other people, this is a socially intelligent people industry. It's all about serving others. And it goes beyond just the job. It's serving them in their lives. Is that safe to say? Yeah, and think yeah, totally safe to say. And imagine think about the thing we were talking about at the beginning where you wanted to attract the right people and so you were saying uh, we were talking about purpose and what you want to do and I think we need to move beyond purpose being like we serve pasta to people in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, and purpose is really about we create a sense of community. We we create an opportunity for people to get together. If creating a sense of community and being a resource and a positive environment in your community is your thing and you treat departing staff bad, mm-hmm. I'm calling your BS. It ain't true. <laughs> That's not what you believe. If you yeah. say we create a warm environment, blah, 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 we believe in the community, we want to make it better, and you don't treat your staff who are leaving like rock stars, then your mission, your purpose is total BS. Yep. And the, the beautiful thing um, when you are about making it about your staff and providing opportunity and helping them get to the next level, every once in a while, you're going to have that person come to you who... Uh, decides that, hey, I love this industry. I love being a manager. I want to be a general manager. I want to own my own restaurant someday. And that's where beauty starts to happen. That's where greatness starts to happen is you 
so many restaurants fail when they try to go to the second location and they grow too fast and they, they take all the gold, the, the best people from one location and put them to another location. And then when location B opens, location A suffers. When you make it about developing people and providing opportunity to people and you're constantly just, just it's like a, a machine of developing people. You can grow your business laterally and provide new roles for new chefs, sous chefs into executive chefs, managers into GMs. And you just have this massive just world of opportunity for people. Uh, not everyone's going to stay with you. Maybe some people might go start their own restaurant group, but who cares? Uh, it's about making people achieve whatever it is they're after. And if you can think selflessly, amazing things can happen for you and for other people. I'm yeah. sorry. I got really worked up. <laughs> oh, it's good. This is the, this is the thing we need. My heart we need rates up. Worked up, right? We need people, whoever's driving in their car is getting really excited. Yeah. They're pushing the pedal deeper. They're, they're pumped up by this part of it. But yeah, yeah, I think, I think that final part of, of helping, you know, the folks who are leaving you is super important and creating an alumni network where you've got this pool of people who are just huge and promoting you. By the way, they're probably, uh, likely to stay on customers as well mm-hmm. if they've had this great experience and they love you and you're involving them and stuff. So um, I think it's I think it's an important part that we forget. We often think, how do we fire people when we need to? But we need to reframe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's about impact. Uh, it's about having the deepest and most impactful relationship you can have uh, with others. And that all starts with people operations and just impacting people. Um, and I mean, I think that's a good way to kind of wrap up this conversation. Is there anything else you want to lay on us before we have you call somebody out? That's um, no, you know, I think, I think that's, that's the awesome stuff. And then uh, to really take that into people operations, it's saying, how can you measure it all? Mm-hmm. All those four things we yep. just did. How can you push yourself to say, I'm going to measure how well we're doing at helping people leave. I'm going to measure how well we're doing at growing leaders at helping people succeed when they get here and attracting the right people. So I, uh, I think that's a nice little bundle. Awesome. Great stuff. Uh, this was a lot of fun, Mike. Uh, how can people connect with you if they just found incredible value in what you share with us today, which I'm sure they did find. Uh, how can we connect with you to learn more about what you know and to maybe even uh, to lean on you from, for some more expert advice? Yeah, I think the easiest, uh, the easiest way to get, to get started is just go to mike.tips as if you're getting tips from me. Uh, tips on how to do things. Just go to mike.tips and then uh, we can hook up via email. I'll send you a little guide with some questions you should use on that. Help people succeed. So mike.tips is pretty easy. And then if you can uh, figure out how to spell it or you've got a good Google search, you can look up Mike Ganino and that takes you to the Instagram, the Twitter, the everywhere. But mike.tips is the easiest. And just keep in mind, guys, this is episode 260. Seven. So just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 267. We'll have uh, links to those pages, those resources Mike just mentioned, and to the other resources we mentioned in today's uh, episode, to the books that were brought up. We'll ha- I try to link to all those in the show notes page. And Mike, I-, I end every episode now by having you call somebody out. You have a massive network of um, you know just amazing restaurant professionals uh, that you know. So who are some guest mentors, some people who have, who have just had incredible success in their restaurants uh, who can come on the show to be guest mentors. So I think the coolest thing you could get, I've got two people for you. The coolest one that would make you the absolute, you're already a rock star to me, Eric, but you would be even more <laughs> oh, of a rock star stop, stop. is if you were able to get Mr. Rick Bayless on your show Ooh. from Frontera, from Choco, from everywhere. He's, he's my idol. Not only is the food amazing, not only is the service amazing, but the way he treats his staff is top notch. So if you could get Rick Bayless, that to me would be like, you are an Oscar winning. You should get a James Beard award for this podcast. So Rick Bayless is my number one request. He has been on my hit list for a long (laughs) time. I'm going to send this interview to his people and hopefully he listens to it and hopefully we can get him on the show. Uh, He would be incredible. Who else do you have? You said you had two. We got it. By the way, my little trick that I learned for that is figure out when he has a book or a show or something coming out because then they all want to come on and promote it. So, um, the, the second one is a, is a much smaller version of that. So Rick Bayless obviously comes on and tells you all the success. The other one is a, there's a place in Chicago called Semitas Puebla, Ooh. C-E-M-I-T-A-S. And it was uh, started by this guy. It's a type of sandwich from Mexico. And it was this guy who started this, this little 
you know, mom and pop. It's been on diners, drive-ins, and dives. He started it. He kept it going. His son has taken over. They've opened more locations. They've taken that original idea, blown it up into a very cool concept. They're adding catering. I think that would be a really interesting mentor for the show. His son's name is Tony. So Tony from Samitas Puebla uh, could be on the show because I think that he's experimenting. He's trying things. He's learning. And he's building this brand, which I think a lot of your audience is working on right now. So I think it'd be a really relatable person to learn from. Awesome. Tony, Rick, look out, guys. I am coming after you. I'll be honored to feature you, to profile you, to find out what makes you you as a guest mentor on the show. Mike, man, you are unstoppable, dude. Awesome stuff today. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and to make us all a little bit better. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling like this won't be the last time we have you as a guest on the show. I'll be back. <laughs> yes. All right. That's it. Wow. That was an awesome interview with Mike Ganino. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I mean, Mike is one of those people that makes me nervous. When I talk to him, he's so precise. He's so clear in what his thoughts are. He delivers his messages so cleanly that it's intimidating. Like for me to try to match his preciseness, his clarity, it, it, it's almost intimidating. And, and I hope you guys could see like just how, how, uh, impressed I was with him today in his advice. And I, ho- I hope you guys are taking his advice. It was amazing stuff. Uh, I just loved talking to Mike today. And you know, uh, after, you know, just sitting and marinating in, in today's discussion and, some things came up in today's discussion about uh, like Simon Sinek and why, and this whole conversation is around you know the people operations is about impact and helping other people and making it so others can be successful. And I stopped and I reflected and I thought to myself, "Wow, so much of what I love in this industry was in this conversation. Uh, it's about helping other people. It's about uh, making people." Or providing the, the, the resources, the, the way of thinking so people can be the best version of themselves that they can be every day. And that's what I'm doing here with Restaurant Unstoppable. I got into this industry because I love serving people, uh, or I really truly started to fall in love with this industry because I realized that I love serving people. Uh, it was the host position that did it to me or the maitre d' position that did it to me. That role, that job, that person, is it's their job to deliver hospitality, to be genuine, to to focus on other people's needs, and to make sure people are leaving your establishment at the end of the day uh, with an amazing experience, feeling better than they've ever felt before. And Restaurant Unstoppable allows me to do that. Restaurant Unstoppable uh, is to restaurant owners as host or maitre d' is to guest. Uh, and you are my guests. You are the people that I'm here the, to make sure that they leave being the best version of themselves every day. And my hope with this podcast is that I, you know, I love bringing people together. I love making sure people are good. People are taken care of. Uh, I mean, I've seen the struggle. My parents, I've seen good people struggle, uh, with, with a successful restaurant where people were lined up at the door every weekend. But still, I remember my mom sitting at that kitchen table with tears coming down her eyes because she couldn't pay the mortgage. Good people need help. And that's what I'm here to do is to serve these people who uh, chased a dream, uh, maybe got a little bit in over their heads or, or just looking to be the best version of themselves every day. And I hope that I'm able to do that. I hope you guys are finding value in this podcast. I hope that I'm bringing amazing people together and teaching them how to think. And that's what we talked about today. It's about teaching people like in a restaurant, right? People stop at just giving people the how, the systems, the processes, the procedures. And those are good restaurants, but the amazing restaurants take it to that next level and teach people how to think. Give them give them the mentality. Give them the core values that lead to success in life. And that's what we're doing here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope that I'm doing that for you. I hope I'm teaching you how to think so you can then take these lessons, take the mentality that's necessary to be successful and pass that on to the people that work for you so you can all have that right way of thinking. That's what this is all about. And you can do that too by sharing this content, by bringing it to other people in the world, by by just making it aware that this is a a podcast, a free resource that is here to serve the industry uh, that we love so much. So 
let's let's do that please let's let's take this to the next level let's spread the word i truly believe that if we share this that we we can make the world of small business of independent restaurants we can have an impact and make the world a better place because we're going to make people think right we're going to give the tools to the the people in the world to just be amazing people so let's do that i'm sorry that was a rant but there's just so much running through my head right now that I had to get out. And this was an incredible interview. I'm jacked up. Uh, Mike and Neo, thanks for coming on. Thanks for cheering me up or not cheering me up, but just, you know, psyching me up. Uh, I, this, this was a moment of aha for me. Uh, and I hope you guys are like, you know, maybe you're laughing at me right now. If you are, that's fine. But the energy, uh, the passion I have is genuine. And I, I, I sometimes I just got to let it out. So I hope you guys found value. Um, in today's episode, I mean, the reason why uh, we had you know Donald Burns on the show the other day, and we had Mike Nino here today to talk to us about finding good people, and the reason why we're having this discussion is because the number one challenge I I get from my guests, and this is why I asked the question at the end of the, towards the end of the interview of what's your biggest challenge and how are you dealing with this, to find out where the pain is, so then I can get the people who have the the you know the prescription, who have the medicine that you need to to solve to cure that pain uh, and the pain point recovering these past two weeks is just uh how to attract amazing people onto yourself so i, ho- I hope you guys are uh finding value in that uh, that's my purpose with these past two or past few interviews is to really you know focus and get down to the ground level of what you can be doing in your restaurant today to take it to the next level and to alleviate some of those challenges so awesome stuff like always guys shoot me an email eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. that's eric with a c head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash one-on-one to set up that free 15 minute chat with me i have a massive aerial view of what it takes to be successful in this industry the the attitude you need the experience you need, how to find a mentor, any of these things. Maybe you just need motivation. Maybe you need inspiration. Maybe you just need somebody to get some thoughts out loud, to share some feelings like I'm here for you. Maybe you want to connect with a product or service that you can leverage in your restaurant or tool, a resource. I can help you connect with the right people to, uh, or maybe even help you make the right decision on what's best for you. Uh, just connect with me and guys know that if you do discover a, a resource or a tool on this show that you think you can implement in your restaurant to be more efficient, to be more productive, to be better, use me to connect with that that uh, resource because I'm telling you like, that's the best one of the best ways you can support the show because I might get a free uh, a, you know, a affiliate commission for helping that tool connect with you or that resource that that service connect with you and it's at no extra expense to you and then i can use uh that support that the, the that commission to pay more attention to the work that i'm doing to to make better resources and to grow this free resource so it, that's just an incredible way to support the show uh, all right guys that's all i have today uh, i had such a blast uh today thanks for sticking around to the very end uh couldn't do it without you guys love you all so much Until next time, peace out.